Well, we are two and a bit days away from the NBA trade deadline, and there continues to just be little bits of news that start to trickle out, including an old favorite of ours discussing Derek Rose to the Milwaukee Bucks. This is an annual podcast that we do. We're going to discuss Derek Rose to the Bucks today. The Knicks have been involved in some rumors, so we might talk about the New York Knicks and ultimately ask the question whether the Bucks' recent hot play has changed anything in our minds about what they should do at the trade deadline. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Good for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win Monday to Friday, and also find my work over at ESPN. And alongside me, the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden, for today's episode that is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NBA. And we thank everyone for making Lockdown Bucks your first listen or first watch of every day, because this is episode 1500. <laughs> Who would have thought? I mean, we come on here, we talk every day, and it started. I wasn't a part of it when it began. You were, Frank. You launched this thing. It's just an audio platform. Now, over the years, it's evolved, and now we're on YouTube. And every time I think that we can't possibly find any more people that are interested in listening to us talk about the Milwaukee Bucks, it continues to grow. YouTube has been great for us. We thank everyone that has listened along the journey, whether you're brand new to the show or you've been listening for many, many years and uh, probably heard me and Frank talk a, a little bit too much. But we appreciate it. Subscribe if you haven't done so already, wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. Hit notifications on. You'll know when we drop the show. Hit the like. Drop a comment. That all helps us as well. And, of course, it's all free. So we absolutely appreciate it. And I think at the end of this podcast, Frank, we'll we'll talk a little bit because 1,500 episodes. Sometimes we miss the little milestones that we hit, but... When I realized it was 1500, I sent you a message and said, hey, Frank, what do you reckon? We uh, podcast tonight. It's uh, it's pretty cool, honestly, for something that we enjoy doing. We get to hang out as much as we do. So maybe we'll get a bit emotional at the end. But let's cut straight to the chase because there will be some people that are only in their third time they've ever listened to this show and they do not care about our milestone, Frank. So let's get to the trade deadline. <laughs> and within the last couple of hours, Mark Stein has said, the Bucks have shown interest in trading for Derek Rose. Let's start there because I joke about it, but this is something that we have discussed before. What's your initial reaction to at least even seeing this idea put back out there? Um, I mean, in previous years, it would have made more sense to me because Derek Rose was actually playing basketball. And, hmm. um, you know, to his, you know, I'd say three, four years ago, we kind of thought he was kind of done, washed. Um, and he, actually resuscitated his career to a fair extent the the two previous years. Um, but this year, I mean, he's not playing at all. Tom Thibodeau, who, you know, Thibs, his guy, is is just not playing him. Um, and he's making $14 million <laughs> this season. So, um, I mean, you know, we can look at his numbers, which are, are down, but he hasn't played a whole lot. Um, but 
again, like just, I think if you just think about it from like a pure trade mechanic standpoint, um, you know, you'd have to put in a fair bit of salary here to make a deal. Like you can't just throw the like, you know, Jordan Wara, Serge Ibaka, George Hill, Poo Poo Platter together and say like, hey, take the guys that like we don't want to play at all anyway and give us something that we do want to play. Um, you you actually would need to put in real salary to do this. And it's like, okay, so what is that? Right? I mean, are you giving up Grayson Allen, who we've heard the Knicks have interest, plus George Hill or Jordan War or whatever, you know, something like that to do a deal for Derek Rose, a guy who, you know, literally like doesn't play um, in New York and who is what, 34 years old, I think. Um, again, like that just seems like a, I mean, you're, you're not going to trade him for Grayson Allen, like effectively straight up. So then, it, then like my brain is anything like, well, it's like, so are the Knicks going to give up like a pick or two in order to dump Derek Rose's salary to get a player that, you know, would actually be play, play for them. And, but at that point it's like, well, then why are the bucks doing that? Right. <laughs> you know, unless they have a wildly different valuation of Derek Rose. So, um, so yeah, it just, it doesn't really seem to add up to me as far as like the value discussion. And, you know, we've talked about Emmanuel quickly, who's a point guard on the Knicks that I actually would really want to have. Um, and we haven't talked at all about just sort of Derek Rose and some of his off court stuff, which, you know, I feel like we've talked about that multiple times in the history of this show. I, don't really want Derek Rose on my basketball team. Um, but uh, again, I think uh, if there's some weirder thing where you're adding in, you know, an Obi Toppin or something like that, then it's okay. Uh, you know, a cheaper younger guy, and then you're putting in more salary in the buck side. Like, I mean, again, like there could be some more extravagant creative constructions around that, but just from a purely like, we want Derek Rose perspective. It's just, to me, it just doesn't really add up. And if you're talking about putting together, stringing together like a bunch of contracts like that, then my obvious question would be like, why wouldn't you want somebody that, you know, fits a, a clear need because Derek Rose, you know, last couple of years, he's even shot the three ball pretty well offensively. You know, he's the guy like you would say, Oh, well, you could have used a guy like that against the Celtics in last year's playoffs. But the flip side is, you know, you also need somebody that can stay on the floor defensively. And I don't think Derek Rose is, you know, if you thought Grayson Allen was bad defensively against the Celtics last year, you know, you're going to love Derek Rose <laughs> against the Celtics. Um, and besides that, I mean, it's also, I don't know. It's, it's just going to be interesting to see. I'm just very curious if, if, and when the Bucks do make a move, I'm just curious to see what kind of player they prioritize because um, you know, I, I've sort of leaned more towards like shooting guard slash three, three men, I think there is an argument for getting a more of a like point guard ish type player for, from a shot creation standpoint, you know, somebody that you feel like could be an upgrade over Javon Carter. Um, but all the smoke around Jay Crowder for so long, when you think about sort of the, the big wing problem that you have against uh, the Boston Celtics, you know, that, that obviously kind of makes some sense. So, yeah, I mean, I, I guess just in general, very curious to see what direction the Bucks go if they go any direction at the trade deadline. I think they will make at least one move just because of, you know, some of the back end roster stuff. I mean, Serge Ibaka by himself, right? Like just shipping off Serge Ibaka to some team with a trade exception or, you know, for some sort of pick, you know, a team can take a minimum player uh, if there's something coming back in terms of draft equity. So I, I would have to think Serge Ibaka probably will be gone. But, um, but other than that, I mean, 
other than the PJ Tucker trade, which we heard about their interest in PJ Tucker for months and months before that deal went down, most of the Bucks' other trades are kind of like been sort of out of the blue, right? Um, it's not like there was smoke around the Grayson Allen trade when that happened. There wasn't smoke around the Drew Holiday trade when that happened. Most of these have been, you know, pretty kind of out of the blue. The Bucks keep a pretty run a pretty tight ship. So I don't know. I feel like we've boiled the ocean, Kane, talking about trade scenarios and players and things like that. So, you know, if the Bucks trade for some pretty decent player or better that we haven't talked about at all, I would be a little surprised just because it feels like we've talked about everybody. But last year too, I mean, we talked about obviously Dante being traded, but I didn't think it was going to be for Serge Ibaka principally, mm-hmm. right? And that's that's the direction they ended up going. So expect the unexpected around the deadline. Um, but uh, again, I, I would be surprised if Derek Rose is the option. And if anything else, I mean, I'm, I'm just curious with Rose, like if he's just not going to play the rest of the year, you know, would the Knicks actually buy him out given that they are in a playoff race? It's not like they're going nowhere. Uh, I don't know. That's a big number to buy out, but if he really wants to find a new home, maybe he would take, take some, some salary, um, give back some salary to, to be bought out. So anyway, I'm not going to overreact to it, but uh, I'm also not looking at Derek Rose as a guy I want to use my, my scarce assets on. He's got the very rare, team option next season as well for 15 million which is you just don't see a lot of that uh that ain't getting picked up no no that's right that's right and the interesting thing is if you look at what he played last year because i you're right i I, for you know i kind of felt that he played more than he did last year but he only played uh, the 26 games last year for the knicks as well even though the numbers were good and the minutes were almost double he was playing about 25 minutes per game but i think you're right when tibbs isn't even playing this man that that uh you raise your eyebrows at that one because uh, he has historically been a guy that has uh, played the vets a lot. I've got a question, though, about this Bucks offense, which will relate to the trade deadline. As you said, we mentioned a lot of their numbers, but obviously the Bucks are playing pretty well. The offense has started to trend up. So I've got a question for you after I talk about LinkedIn. As a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. It's kind of like looking for a trade. You need someone with the values of the Milwaukee Bucks. And LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools. Identify the most qualified candidates on LinkedIn Jobs and connect them for fast and free. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs the number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So you said something that was interesting because we discussed guys like Jordan Clarkson earlier in the season and Utah's won a bunch of games. But these guys that I think ultimately, if you are trading around that, the guys that, as we've basically said, aren't even playing for the Bucks. Like there's going to be some some give or take on one end. Like you're not getting a perfectly well-rounded two-way player for the package that the Bucks have and the limited assets they have. That's just the reality, even if you include Grayson Allen, who again, I think has had a pretty decent number. So now unless you unless you put in like the 2029 first or right. maybe Marjan Bochamp, right? That right. If, if you put either of those assets in, then I think you unlock potentially a different 
class of of player not a like star player but mm. you know that's when you start i think talking about like you know a bogdanovich one of them you know something like that right like those are the i'm, I'm guessing the teams with guys like either bogdanovich or you know i mean malik beasley right i'm guessing malik beasley would fetch would fetch a first um then it's a little bit different versus like here take the guys that we don't want and um you know give us a couple extra roster spots basically by absorbing all of our flotsam so i guess the, the question i uh, i want to ask and something i've been thinking about over the last week or two since the bucks have had players back they're winning games the offense is trending up even if they're not playing a true contenders on a nightly basis but if we saw we talked so much about the celtic series defensively what can you do they're a bigger team in boston but then I always just come back to, well, the defensive rating was really, really, really good against Boston, and they just couldn't score. So has anything changed now that you've seen the guys that they have? And obviously Middleton's looking pretty good. We've discussed a lot. Some of the other players they have in the rotation that you think might be able to help the half-court offense, and you've just got Giannis. But is there any part of you that's watched this team win over the last few weeks and said, maybe the priority should be actually scoring because historically, year on, year out, the Bucks struggled to score in the postseason and particularly struggled to shoot. That's generally been the direction I've trended in. And I think if you look back on the types of guys that we've discussed, um, I mean, the thing I always start with anytime we talk about trades or free agency or any of that stuff is just like, look at your rotation. Where are the weak spots in your rotation? Right. Uh, I think the Tucker deal, the, the weak spot in the rotation was the backup four spot. Ironically, PJ ended up playing other positions, maybe even more than, than the back of four spot because of the DiVincenzo injury and him going to the starting five. Uh, but, okay, let's look at the starting, the the kind of starters. Let's look at the rotation. Um, and to me, I think, uh, I, 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 like, I, I don't doubt that a guy like Jay Crowder could be useful to have, like one of those sort of like small, small ball four type guys. Um, but part of me is also like, well, you know, you'd sort of be in, implicitly deciding not to play Bobby Portis much or at all in a series if you really wanted to lean into a Jay Crowder type. Um, and then as we've discussed as well, is Jay Crowder even better than Wes Matthews? <laughs> like we haven't, we haven't seen Jay Crowder play basketball in eight or nine months or whatever it's been. Um, and, you know, he's aging. He's not as old as somebody like Wes. Um, and you still have Joe Ingles as well that, you know, you obviously signed with the, belief that he could be part of the solution offensively in the playoffs. So, um, I, you know, again, I don't, I don't want to, I would say I would not want to go for like a one-way player, but a guy that, you know, could potentially start as the two guard, uh, would be probably my ideal target. Um, but again, like a lot of the guys that you talk about in the, the mold of, of potential targets are guys that, like as as you're saying, I mean, they have their flaws, right? Like these are guys that you're not giving up, you know, Marjan and the 2029 first for because you're talking about the likes of, you know, Alec Burks or, you know, Josh Richardson or Malik Beasley. Probably, I don't think that the Jazz would give him up for three second round picks um, and matching salary. But if you, if they were, I would I would take Malik Beasley for for that. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, I think a lot of those guys that I'm mentioning are are definitely guys that you would look at as um, at least being the equal of Grayson Allen from an offensive standpoint, and hopefully would you know maybe give you maybe would have a better shot defensively uh, against a big team like the Celtics. But you know, again, like all these guys have flaws. Like you know, Josh Richardson right has basically been sort of kicked to the curb uh, in his last three with, with good teams. And so, you know, it's the, the Tobias Funke gift from Arrested Development, you know, where he's saying, what is it? What does he say? Kane, you've seen, you've seen that more recently than I am, but it, you know, it's basically the, like, these people are basically saying these like, people these... always delude themselves into thinking it'll work. And then, well, the, the girl's like, does it work for these people? And he's like, no, it never does. But for some reason, these people delude themselves into thinking it might. But it might work, it work for, for us. us. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So there's a lot of that. I think at the, the trade deadline. I mean, you know, the Kyrie Irving is like the ultimate litmus That's test of of the Tobias, um, the Tobias line, right? Like, is is Dallas going to make this Kyrie thing work when his last few stops have ended in, um, let's just say, uh, you know, like wreckage and <laughs> ruin and uh, just right. distraction. So, um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I'm. I mean, I think it, the deck is always stacked, I think, against a, a, a really big move. Um, I think the interesting thing that that I keep coming back to is if they were to make a really big splash, and you know, maybe Bogdanovich, Bojan Bogdanovich would, would count as a really big splash, or, or Bogdan for that matter, although it doesn't seem like Bogdan has had as much, there's been as much trade chatter about him. It, I think Jake Fisher reiterated in the last 24 hours that the Bucks have been have continued to have interest in in Boyan. Um, the thing that would give me a little bit of anxiety about that is when you start talking about a, get, acquiring a guy who either in Boyan's case is under contract at around twenty million for the next couple of years after this one, or would need an extension in that range, right? You know, Gary Trent. We haven't talked about Gary Trent, right? But one of the reasons the Raptors want to trade him is because they don't want to pay him twenty to twenty five million dollars a year to be Gary Trent. Um, and so it's sort of like, Hey, I mean, if you want Gary Trent or, you know, Fred Van Vliet would be the even higher end version of that. Right. Like, and that's a, an, an all-star point guard as you know, last year. Um, my concern is if you start getting into that, then you start looking at the bucks cap sheet and you start saying, so are we saying that the bucks are going to be the warriors now in, in terms of like paying these just astronomical tax bills? Um, I mean, the Bucks are not cheap right now. Like the Bucks are looking at, as we speak, a $70 million tax bill, which I don't know if that's like fourth or something like that. But I mean, they are paying an astronomical sum for this team, which they should because they have a chance to win a championship. So, I mean, it's like, you know, you don't want to give ownership a gold star for, you know, spending money on the margins for a team that has a chance to, to win a championship. But um, they haven't been cheap. But at the same time, you know, there's a difference between, be, you know, going for it, being willing to spend and doing kind of like, you know, the Steve Ballmer slash Warriors thing, which is kind of in a different stratosphere in terms of tax and, and total cost. So, hey, I would love it if the Bucks are willing to do that. But you start to kind of do the math. And it's like if you're acquiring a guy who's going to be paid 20, 25 million dollars a year next year, then I think the obvious question is like, hmm, what does that mean for the rest of this roster? Are you really keeping the band together in that scenario? 
you know, Chris Middleton being the obvious question mark because he has a $40 million player option next year. Um, again, like I don't understand why you would hope that we don't get to a point where either Chris or the Bucks would want to do something different than stay together. Um, but you never know, right? I mean, and and so I think I think that's the part that I find most interesting. You know, in some ways, like a quiet deadline to me would be reassuring a little bit because at a minimum, it would suggest that, you know, Chris is obviously still presumed to be coming back. Brooke Lopez, the other big question mark in terms of re-signing that, you know, you hope Brooke is going to come back. And then Brooke said all the right things, but you never know, right? I mean, until the guy re-signs um, and, and he's extension eligible as well. Um, but until Brooke is extended, I mean, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll at least be somewhat concerned about how they kind of manage that and what they ultimately, you know, kind of get him at in terms of price. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I think there's some different paths the Bucks can go down. Obviously, making a bigger swing is also more problematic just because you got to put in, you got to start putting in guys that you like, right? Bobby Portis, Joe Ingles, Grayson Allen. And I mean, Grayson Allen goes without saying, but you know, Joe Ingles and, and Bobby Portis guys that we have sort of treated like, well, they're not getting traded. Right. Well, if you want to get something good, you have to give up something useful or, you know, Joe's more like the expiring contract type thing. Bobby obviously, you know, is a guy that, could have value around the league if, if you really wanted to, to go for a bigger name player, more expensive player. So again, I'm not expecting a move like that to happen. Um, but that's kind of the reality, right? And as fans, I think you don't want to really admit that the guys you like could be traded and it could make sense to trade them in certain scenarios if the talent upgrade is big enough. But again, there's just a million variables and John Horst and the Bucks front office, like they're having to, you know, do the Dr. Strange 13 million scenarios thing uh, and figure out the one that, that is going to put the Bucks in the best position to, to win a championship. And, um, you know, ultimately the best news though, is that this team can win a championship without making a move. Um, you know, are they going to be, you know, are there moves that can make them better and increase their probability of winning a championship? I think so. And that's why I think you would at least want to see something around the margin with some of the guys and some of the potential assets that are not going to be winning games for you this, this, spring and summer. Um, but again, it's, uh, it's going to be, I won't say a long two days cause I feel like it's going to go pretty quickly, but, um, it, I think it's very hard to predict where we're going to be on Thursday afternoon slash evening talking about this. And I, I think we should mention John Gambadoro, who's, I forget what he is, if he's a newspaper guy or a radio guy out there, but you know, he occasionally throws stuff out in terms of, um, you know, a little bit of like news tidbits, newsbreaker type stuff. Um, he, he claims the, the, the Bucks poo-poo platter <laughs> is not going to get it done for Jay Crowder to which I say, I think I, I think I used the Larry David meh. We'll see gift for that one. Um, Cause we'll see. I mean, for a guy like Crowder, he's not helping you at all right now. And I don't know that that trade really helps the Suns a whole lot. Uh, and maybe it has to be a three-way deal for the Suns to to get value out of it, but I don't know. We'll see. Um, that's that's my that's the theme for for the next couple of days. Well, I tell you what else we might not be doing on Thursday night. That's watching uh, LeBron James break this uh, record for Kareem because he's got 18 points, and we're not even halfway through the second quarter, so he only needs 36 to break the all-time scoring record. So we might uh, do that in the next little bit here. I've got a 
question for you. So we understand the two, perhaps out of outside of your star players, the two things that you could trade to add value that other teams might be interested in, Marjan Bochamp or that first round pick. Or a uh, swap, 2028 swap you could do as well. Which would you prefer though? Which would you prefer to part ways with if it meant bringing in a difference maker and there was only one required? That's what I'm going to ask you after I talk about FanDuel. The, the uh, number one sports book of the Lockdown Podcast Network, also the NFL as well. And this year, it's the only app you need at your Super Bowl party. That is FanDuel, America's number one sports book. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Lockdown because they're the number one sports book in America. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, I had to read that a couple of times. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. And speaking of any time touchdown scorers in the NFL, Travis Kelsey, the favorite, minus 115. Uh, Old Packer, Marquez, Valdez, Scantling, plus 240. Patty Mahomes, plus 550. What about the Kansas City defense plus 800? That would be fun to see. I don't really care who wins this Super Bowl. But go to FanDuel and you can check out all the odds and everything they've got going on there. The FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. And best of all, you get paid your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right, I teased it. So forget names, forget players. Let's just say the Bucks can bring in a difference maker. And I know that that changes the context. But just from the pure asset, a 2029 pick or Marjan Bochamp, what would provide you more angst or anxiety or stress or pause or concern out of those two assets? Um, I mean, I think the 2029 pick by virtue of the fact that it's so far out. Um, and for the sake of this argument, let's assume it's an unprotected pick. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there are, two, there are two kind of fundamentally opposing sort of sides to this. Uh, the first is the, the comment I made on Twitter the other day, which is, eh, 2029, we'll all be dead by then anyway. You think I'm going to be podcasting about the Bucks in 2029, Kane? Well, Please. probably. Honestly, probably. Yeah, maybe. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> I mean, Giannis will be... 35 in 2029 wow that's um, that is depressing that that is how long how far how far out that is um so the idea that i mean i guess it'll be 34 turning 35 um so that's that's a ways out you know and that is well beyond even if Giannis does the dirk Nowitzki thing right and ages well um it's it's hard i think for a player of his style to to be you know a top five best in the world type of caliber player at, at that that age Hopefully he does the LeBron thing and just defies all that, right? Um, and hopefully he's still here, most importantly. Uh, but I think on the one hand, it's like it's so far out that it's hard to even like, as a fan, like, you know, do you even bother losing sleep over it? Uh, that said, I think just from like an objective value standpoint, I mean, that's the ultimately ultimate risky thing to, to trade when you talk about sort of just franchise valuing assets and, and, and thinking of it through that lens. And 
I mean, look, the, the Bucks have already done that, right? I mean, the Drew Holiday trade, they, they've already gone down this path. Um, so it's not like it's a, it's a new one for us, but the flip side is you've already won a championship because of that trade. So it's like, it doesn't really matter, you know, almost what happens with the picks and they're sooner, right? So you have higher confidence that those picks are not going to be, you know, premium, premium type picks. Um, the other thing I would say too, is, I mean, the odds of the Bucks, you know, being not a, t- a title contender at that point is probably very high. Uh, but the flip side as well is, I mean, if, if you're out unprotected picks, then you're not tearing it down and rebuilding in the way that you might, if you did have your picks. So you're almost sort of like, it's not like that you're guaranteed to avoid being terrible in those scenarios, but then it would push you towards building a team that would be, be at least decent. And again, that'll be harder given the lack of those first in the latter stages of, of the 2020s um, because of those other moves we mentioned. But um, so anyway, so I think, I think, losing the 2029 pick is existentially more fraught, but I would also say that like, it's easier to just be like, eh, whatever, like out of sight, out of mind so far out, whatever, worry about it later. And right now, like you have a chance to win championships. So go in some more goddamn championships. Um, And I think with Marjan, you know, you know, is there a scenario where I think where Marjan could be a contributor to helping contend next year or the year after i think there's a I mean, there's a non-trivial path to that i think that said you know do i think marjan's gonna be like would i expect him to be a meaningful contributor to you know a playoff series next year even not not this season but as a as a second year player i mean again just thinking pessimistically kane you know how i like to think pessimistically about young players um you know, I think the deck is always sort of stacked against you and you hope that his work ethic, his skill set, blah, 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 all that kind of leads him to, to kind of buck those odds. But, um, but again, I, I think the odds of, you know, I would say I've, you know, especially given Marjan's 22, you know, if you were to trade him, the downside scenario of that, like how good do we think he's really going to be? Right. Like, I mean, I think I'm I'm comfortable rooting or ruling out that he's going to be like an all-star caliber player, um, but could he be a very useful like high caliber role player? Like absolutely at a position that you you know would value highly, right? Um, so yeah, I think it's kind of hard, tough to say, right? I mean, we saw Dorian Finney-Smith was one of the centerpieces of a of a trade for again Kyrie is a very fraught star player, but um, but players like that are very valuable both on the court and in terms of trade value. So um, again, if you keep them and then he kind of just like stalls out, then you're going to wish you traded him <laughs> now when he might have some value. Uh, but I also, I, I don't know. I don't really, I mean, do you, do you think Marjan Bochamp has a lot of value right now? Do you think given the time frame as well? I mean, most GMs can't back. Most GMs can't really do anything with the 2029 first other than sort of the theoretical value of it because most won't be around that long. Um, so, I, I mean, I don't know what your view is. Like, do you think one of those is more valuable than the other? Because I would I would presume the 2029 first would be more valuable, but I would also say there's certain teams that would look at it and say, like, it's so it's so far out that it's just not, not quite valuable enough to, to really kind of get me over the hump on a quality player even though I think the Bucks have a high probability of, you know, not being great by them. 
Yeah, it always comes down to if you're looking at contending teams, we see this all the time. And we get it a lot in the YouTube comments to say, the Bucks don't develop young players. They've got no young players. And I'm just kind of like, look at contending teams. They don't have young players. That 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 is the nature of being a contender. So if they did trade, and I don't even know who the player is, but let's just say a team like... I don't know, Sacramento, and there was some trade there. I could see Sacramento being going, yeah, we'll have a go at Marjan Bochan because we think that he can actually play in the rotation, teams like that. So, yeah, I think it would depend on the trade partner. But we did see, as you kind of mentioned, I mean, Dallas threw in an unprotected 2029 in this Kyrie Irving trade. I don't know where Luke is going to be in 2029, but if he's not on the Mavericks and they're bottom out, they could look back and regret that. But if they win the title this year, they probably won't care. I mean, that's ultimately what these teams are doing now. They're taking risks uh, with the draft capital. But there is going to be a big move at the trade deadline. I believe it. The NBA trade deadline is approaching and Locked On has you covered. Thursday, February 9, tune in to Locked On NBA on YouTube at 2 Eastern to hear reaction from the trades that will change the rest of the NBA season, who becomes contenders and who is tanking for a better future. Subscribe to Locked On NBA on YouTube and don't miss a deal. So if the Bucks do anything, I'll jump on that stream. I'll be looking pretty rough, even rougher than usual, because it'll be very, very, very early on Friday morning. But I'm looking forward to it. It's a great day. There's always chaos. I'm hoping for major chaos across the league. Just some uh, some nice stuff for the Bucks, And also check out the Locked On Game to Game podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, quick recap uh, from around the NBA from the local experts, and you can hear everything that's going on. Now, the Thunder are beating the Lakers comfortably at the moment. Not that this matters, because when people listen to this, it's going to already happen, but i got to get off this podcast and watch LeBron, because he's up to 20 points. We're not even at halftime. But before we do, episode 1500, Frank, this is your baby. 1500 episodes. I can't even think about how many hours that is podcasting and talking about the Bucks, but we have a lot of fun, let's be honest. I, I, I like doing it. I like hanging out with you. I like watching the Bucks games and coming on here and overreacting or just, just generally carrying on. But it's a lot, man. There's a lot of years of podcasting, about seven years. And people still watch and listen. Who would have thought? Yeah, I mean, to be clear, I personally have not been on five, 1,500 episodes. Um, I was thinking oh, about maybe. that. I was like, man, <laughs> what if I... What else have I done 1,500 times? And I was like, well, I guess I technically haven't been on 1,500 episodes myself. But... Um, I mean, for context, LeBron James, a mere 1,400 regular season games, Kane. So <laughs> in just summer, summer of 2016 was when we started this. In a mere you know, six, six plus years, six and a half years, uh, we've recorded more episodes than LeBron James has played in games in his 20-year career. Um, there's, no damn lo- there's, hey, there's no damn load management in these parts, man. And I'm, I'm sure our minutes per episode uh stat is higher than LeBron's career scoring average mainly cuz I'm so uh overly verbose and don't know when to shut up but uh <laughs> but anyway yeah it's it's uh it's just kind of a cool thing to to have happened I you know stopped writing at Brew Hoop and um kind of abruptly due to some employment stuff um and uh was able to continue podcasting though and so that was kind of my like you know soft landing and and i mean now it's just like i can't imagine if i attempted to continue to write as much as as i did i mean i wrote 2000 articles at brew hoop over nine years so Hmm. you know talk about like volume of of stuff right that's that's a whole lot of time which man that's a whole lot of my life um and now 1500 episodes again perhaps not all of them uh with me on them but 
yeah, it's a ton of time, but again, it's, uh, I think for me, the benefit is that first with our friend Eric name and now with you, it's really just about kind of hanging with, with my buds and talking about my favorite sport. So, um, so it's just something we do, you know, we, it's, it's fun, right. Is at the end of the day is what it is. It's not, it doesn't ever feel like, like work. And, uh, you know, just some of the, some of the moments that we got to share, especially obviously during the title run, um, I don't know. It's, it's very cool that we will kind of always have, you know, I, I feel lucky in that because we do a podcast together, like we were able to memorialize like our feelings hmm. and how we were reacting and what it meant to us in the moment on these, you know, incredible nights for us as fans. And I've, I have listened to the episode we did the night of the championship um, probably two or three times. Unfortunately, the audio isn't great because I'm literally calling you from the parking lot at Schlitz Park. <laughs> Um, after watching, after being at the, <laughs> at the game, um, and it, you know, there's no adequate way to, to really have described the way I think we were all feeling having just seen what we did. Um, but that's definitely, you know, will always be, I think the, the biggest highlight and staying up all night and then getting on a plane the next morning to fly home to Austin. Um, but, uh, but obviously there've been a lot of really cool games and some really cool random regular season games, including what we saw last week, you know, with the, like the Clipper game and other that. And so it's just, this is a, just, again, just a very fun way to, I think, kind of process fandom and, um, you know, hopefully again, to you guys who listen to us, we really appreciate it. Um, if you're still listening, God bless you for putting up with our jibber jabbering, um, and, and my droning on for, for these six and a half years. Uh, but again, it's, uh, this is why we love sports. It's just, you know, something it's a shared community experience and, and that's why people, do things like listen to us talk about Milwaukee Bucks, right? Because it's just the kind of thing that by nature, it's it's more exciting. It's more fun when you feel like you're getting to share it with people. So thanks for sharing it with us. And um, again, to the extent that our excitement has, has made you more excited and hopefully made you a little more informed. Um, it just makes me so happy and appreciative that uh, that we've had a chance to do this and that we've got people all of our favorite sickos out there uh, willing to, to listen to us and, and uh, trust us with, uh, with their first listen every day. And all over the world. I'm in Australia now. When I started doing it, I was, I was back in Milwaukee and then they came back to Australia. Obviously, we got people that listen from all over the world as well. And we know that because when I mentioned that the Bucks had some late games this week, there was some vicious pushback from our friends in Europe that said, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> You're getting upset about a 9 p.m. game? What about us? Every single game is 2 or 3 a.m. So we love it. And the interaction is the best part, as you said, Frank. So it's good. We're lucky. We're fortunate to be able to do it. And we've definitely been fortunate enough to do it through an era where the Bucks have won an absolute shit ton of basketball as well. And hopefully that continues to go for a while. Obviously, we thank Giannis for that. But <laughs> we, will be, we will be podcasting tomorrow. We've got one more podcast before we get to this Lakers game. Uh, off day tomorrow. We'll see if anything else transpires in the trade markets with the rumors and maybe some some done deals. So we'll be back tomorrow. We'll podcast a little bit about the Lakers as well. LeBron probably about to pass this record. And then we'll be back post-game to wrap up the week with the game against the Lakers as well. So we appreciate everyone listening. Like I said, subscribe, notifications on, all that stuff. Uh, here's to the next 1,500, Frank. I'll catch you tomorrow. <laughs>